0: Welcome in to The Official. We are continuing our interview series as we give our you know, tape grinders a few weeks off to really get into the 2024 class that we will begin sometime in April. Uh, but in the meantime, I am bringing on some really interesting personalities and innovators in the recruiting space to talk about the landscape and some appro- different approaches that, that some different companies and different evaluators have so tonight we are very excited to have Corey Yates, founder and CEO of Real Analytics, um, a, a really innovative recruiting company. And he, he will, I will let him fill all of us in on what they're doing, how they approach recruiting, and we'll hopefully get into some really good discussions. So without further ado, this is The Official. <laughs> All right, we are back. Corey Yates in the house, brand new guest, never had him on the show before, but uh, founder and CEO of Real Analytics, which is a company that, you know, honestly inspired a little bit of what we do here on The Official. Um, And, you know, without me going too much into it, I'd love to hear it straight from you, Corey. You want to just jump right in and give our listeners the elevator speech, what Real Analytics seeks to do?
1: Absolutely. So, Real Analytics
0: is a an
1: AI-powered sports technology company. And what we do is we analyze video to measure what we call in-game athleticism. So we're measuring everything from top-end speed, acceleration, change of direction. And then we also have position-specific metrics that we track, again, exclusively through video. And so we curate all of that data. And then we have a proprietary score that we call our in-game score, our in-game athleticism score. And we use that IGA score to project players, uh, either from high school to college or from college to the NFL. And that scale is a hundred point scale by which we we evaluate players.
0: Okay, that is fantastic. Um, So you have I think of you guys as a a recruiting site. I know you've changed names. Now you're real analytics. So maybe that is taking into account more of the different levels. So do you have some NFL clients or you're trying to break into that college to NFL? Because I always thought of you as high school to college. Is that Correct. a new development a little bit?
1: We, so we started in terms of targeting the coll- collegiate market. And then we've been reached out to by a handful of NFL teams because they're highly interested in player tracking data for players that they're considering drafting or signing, right, as it relates to understanding what their raw functional abilities and athleticism looks like so we're able to help nfl clients understand the background of some of the players that they're interested in so that they have data that looks very similar to what they're already ingesting today so obviously if you think about the nfl they've got player tracking data provided by next gen stats and so having tracking data on both collegiate players as well as high school players, they see a tremendous amount of value in that because, again, it's something that they look at on a more regular basis, uh, even than some, some of our NFL – our collegiate clients, excuse me.
0: Sure, and what you guys can do with your technology uh, – because in the NFL, I think they have chips kind of on the player, either in the uniform or the ball or some different things like that. But at the college level, I don't think they have that, so they do need that video technology I would imagine that you can provide.
1: Yeah, so uh, Zebra technology is what you used at the NFL level, right? Okay. And so that's RFID technology, uh, really good technology, extremely expensive. And because it's, it's expensive, expensive, right, you know, the college programs, even at the Power 5 levels, they can't afford to outfit their stadiums with, with this technology. And so uh, what colleges do is they will use GPS technology, and they will use wearable devices mm-hmm. that they put on their players, so that they can understand things like max speed, distance, you know, sprint distance, mm-hmm. um, acceleration. But where we add value is that we're able to take it a step further, and we can provide our clients with not only player tracking data for players on their team. We can also provide that data. On their opponents as well so right
0: because yeah the college landscape is not nearly as regulated as the NFL right so you've got have and have nots in a much more greater scale so if, say Alabama can afford some of that but you know uh, whatever UAB may not be able to I suppose
1: yeah well see the, the and you're right you're absolutely right and the bigger challenge is really anchored around the wearable devices. So if I'm UAB, I can outfit my entire team with GPS or wearable technology. And I can have player tracking data on my roster, but when I go and play somebody in conference, I'm not going to have access to their data. So it's a very different model than, than the NFL, right? So all 32 teams have access to
0: Zebra's Mm.
1: player tracking uh, data, but at the collegiate level, not so much. So you only have access to your own data. And so we've been able to actually help programs with advanced scouting and helping them understand where they have matchup advantages primarily on the perimeter.
0: Okay. So okay.
1: Now they understand, okay, I'm going up against this particular cornerback. His max speed is X, right? My my receiver, his max speed is, you know, maybe 10% faster. We think we have a matchup advantage over there, right? So we're able to help our clients from an advanced scouting standpoint, providing them with player tracking data on opponents that they're facing week in and week out. So that's a okay. really, really cool application that really started to get some traction in 2022.
0: Okay. And that brings me, that's uh, my wheels are starting to turn here. I would imagine now. The last two years or so, it's really picked up. But obviously, we live in a transfer portal era now. So scouting these other players, whereas before, oh, Memphis has this really good corner, whatever. We played them once last year. Now, maybe we want to go get that Memphis corner. So I'm sure providing some of that data because it's a little bit more of this free agency um, is another another new use for all your information, uh, even within college teams.
1: Absolutely. So the transfer portal is huge. And so obviously we can provide and track track players in terms of their high school highlights in film. But we can also do the same thing with college tape to the extent we have access to it. Um, But more importantly, from a transfer portal perspective, if a kid enters the portal and let's say he's a small school prospect, Mm -hmm. right? One of the ways that we've been able to add value to our clients is helping them understand what his ceiling was coming out of high school. So if I'm if I'm TCU, who's one of our clients, and I'm looking at a transfer portal prospect, he comes from a small school, be it a G5 school or even an FCS, right? They're gonna pair our in-game athleticism data with production data that they may source from from somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they're certainly gonna look at production to understand how productive that player was at whatever level he's coming from, nine times out of 10, if they're looking at that player, he was probably highly productive, right? He may have been an That's FCS That's how his name gets out there, yeah. Exactly. He may be an FCS All-American. He could be, you know, an AAC All-Conference player. And so they they kind of have an idea that, yes, this player is productive. He's had success at the level he's, he's competed at but there's always a question as to whether or not that's going to translate to a higher level. And that's where we help fill in some of those gaps. And so athletically, right, that's where they want to, that's where they're leaning into our in-game athleticism score to understand in our projection to understand, Hey, coming out of high school, was he projected based on the IGA score to be a power five player? And if he was, they feel more comfortable with moving forward, Um, with that particular prospect a good example is TCU uh, last year they actually signed uh, an inside backer by the name of Johnny Hodges now he was a transfer reporter prospect from from Navy and so there were some questions as to whether or not he can actually play you know in the big 12 because that the big 12 is perceived as a as a more competitive conference and so They liked his tape. He was very productive um, at the academy that he was at. But then they looked at our IGA score and our projection of him when he was coming out of high school. We projected him to be a Power 5 player coming out of high school. Mm. So he was undervalued. So that gave TCU confidence in actually signing Hodges. And uh, fast forward, he was one of their top tacklers uh, in the season. Of course, TCU had a historic season making the – making the, uh, the the college playoffs and then play, competing in the national the title game, game. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, it was actually well documented. They actually cited that player uh, in the semifinals and talked about how TCU was the only power five program that offered Hodges. And that was primarily as a result of data that supported what those coaches saw on film.
0: Yeah, and, and that's a great, I think I saw some tweets about that um, from your, you know, from the Real Analytics account, and that's a great uh, story. Um, kind of building on that, I did see you also recently tweet about some comments that, you know, I, I'm a Gator, I went to Florida, so I'm rooting for Rand Carth, and love that he's now the GM uh, of the Titans, uh, and came from a very successful scouting department, you know, at San Francisco. They've done a great job of identifying talent especially i think later round talent um, a lot of their guys uh and so he in his presser you know when he got hired he talked about i think it was elijah mitchell was specifically the player um where one of his coaches or staff members came and said hey this guy can play or no i think the, the staffer came with some data and said hey based on the numbers this guy can play they flipped on the tape they said that matches the numbers and this was a nice marriage of you know, the analytics kind of identifying a player and then the tape backing up what the analytics seem to say. Obviously, we know, I think Mitchell had maybe a 1,000 yards or close to it as a as a rookie. Rookie, it. You know, he, right. he got injured last year. But, you know, that six-round pick or whatever, like that's already a win. Oh, so yeah. can you talk a little bit about, I, I know you kind of already did, but this marriage between, or like I guess maybe the question is, which comes first you know tape scouting and i i see this guy can play let me back it up with numbers or i my personal process is a little bit more of hey the numbers filter out from thousands of potential players a more select handful of guys i want to take a closer look at then the tape kind of backs up the numbers which way do you think does it matter which way do you think is a better way to approach that
1: that's a that's a great question and so From my from our perspective, first of all, we know that you can improve your hit rate when you when you combine both objective data uh, and marry that with pair that with the eye test, right? Film. Mm -hmm. And so I know when we when we initially launched our company in 2020, there were a lot of questions from coaches about, well, hey, you know does this does it, do your scores does that replace us watching film and should we how should we be thinking about that it's like no, no 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 this you want to supplement your existing process by ingesting this data and incorporating this data into your process so it's meant to enhance it's meant to be used as a tool um, and it's not the silver bullet that's going to answer all the questions right so to answer your question you know, I believe firmly that it can go either way. You can start with film and then have it supported with with data, right? Um, and that's where most of our clients do. So they've got a, a process whereby they go about identifying the talent. And then once they've identified the talent and kind of curate curated their prospect list down to a meaningful number of players, then that's when they bring us into the process to verify players that are on their board, right? And, it, and they're leveraging our data to help them differentiate between players that they may see very close on their board. Mm-hmm. And so, gotcha. Gotcha. you know, if they've got similarly graded players from a subjective standpoint, right, then they lean into our in-game athleticism score, To better understand how they can differentiate between those similarly graded players. And so things like if they're evaluating a a wide receiver and they have a similar grade on that wide receiver, depending on the scheme and what they're running, they may lean into our average yard to separation created metric and say, you know what, this particular prospect creates more separation than the other. And that that could make the difference between moving up or down their board and so we think it can go either way i okay. think the example that you cited from from ran was they started with the data right and mm-hmm. then they used the film to confirm the data and, right. and so that's perfectly fine as well i think at the end of the day the the real win comes when you marry the two and once if you marry the two um again you're going to put yourself in a position to increase the chances of you hitting on that player.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense. I think, you know, I'm trying to put it in our context here for the official. You know, what we're trying to do is find as many good prospects to put on fantasy football teams, college fantasy teams is kind of our angle. Um, And when we're diving as deep as we can, I mean, four stars and five stars are one thing, but we try to go as deep as possible because you never know when you're going to find the next Antonio Brown sitting way down in some three-star Uh, out of Miami, goes to central Michigan and all of a sudden becomes, you know, who he became. And so there's so many players. And of course we're doing this, you know, as a, as a very organized hobby, but still kind of a hobby. And so the time is of the essence. And so I try to use it like the numbers and some of these metrics to trim down a thousand players to, you know, 200 that I want to take a look at the most. And then after that, some more. So that's kind of, because we have to be more judicious, we're not full-time jobs, you know, doing this all the time. So that's a little bit of the process, but I get it works either way. And I like that you're saying as long as you're doing both, you know, you're gonna come out with a better, you know, answer. Yeah, and you said something that 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 can really drive
1: whether or not you lead with analytics or you use it to validate or verify. <clears> throat> so throat> our clients, so if you're dealing with thousands of kids what a great way to filter down to a meaningful number right is to use data to do that it's it it saves you time right saves you makes me makes you more efficient and 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 you can go about it doing it that way most of our clients at the collegiate level (laughs) use us on the back end we have one client that uses us as a talent id but you know they feel most most coaches are going to trust their eyes first. Yeah, of course. Right? And so and, and we're okay with that. You know, that doesn't, you know, doesn't offend us. Th- so they they want to trust their eyes first. They want to get their eyes on the player, watch <laughs> his grind on the film, right? And then bring us in to to verify certain things. They may look at a kid's tape and like one of the biggest questions that they have is, you know, how fast is this kid? Because I can't tell if he's fast or if the competition is slow. Right. Hundred And we're yep. able to help answer that question because if you're running 21 mm-hmm. miles an hour, it doesn't matter if you're playing seven, a ball in the state of Georgia, or if you're playing eight man football in Utah, 21 mm-hmm. miles an hour is 21 miles an hour. And so that's where we, again, add a, add a ton of value. Uh, to to our clients and helping them filter through and help answer some of those questions that these coaches may may have on on players absolutely yeah
0: um, and that's you know a little bit what we do. our technology is not as fancy, but we try to do some of that uh, here at the official at campus to canton. Uh, speaking of which quick uh, plug here so before we continue, just like and subscribe this video if you enjoy the conversation if you enjoy what we're talking about with recruiting here on the official and having People like Corey Yates on uh, for some really great insights. And then also check out the parent website, campuscans.com. We have tools, we have rankings, we have everything you need to enjoy the college fantasy experience as well as into the NFL. So um, go check out that. We've got subscriptions starting as low as 2 dollars a month. Um, with that being said, I think this uh, segues nicely into a question that we all have. And I think it's something that's come up with you, kind of flirted with it as well already, but when there is, say your data, right, kind of going the opposite way. We're saying, um, you know, film verifies this and uh, the data then backs up or whatever. But let's say you're, 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 the data is showing a hyper-athletic player. You find some guy in middle of nowhere, Maryland, I don't know, and he's just a freak, absolute athletic freak. But for whatever reason, let's say he's a wide receiver. This comes into play in fantasy all the time. We find this guy, he's a freak, he's an athletic person, he should be dominating, but not getting the targets. Not even the second on their team in targets, right? They're not getting used from our perspective as as much as they should be. Um, What kind of things that, you know, are we missing maybe or you have even missed where the athleticism is popping either with testing or even on field? Right. But the coaches, you know, is it the coach's fault or what other things about a player come into focus that you know, they're just not commanding the volume or the usage or the touches that you would think they would command with that? athleticism? you ever run into that issue? And I'm sure it's varied, but just speak on that a little bit.
1: Yeah. So, you know, it, it's funny that you, you mentioned that because there are instances where you can have a player that we grade out extremely high from an in-game athleticism standpoint. But yet the production is not there. So what do you do with that? We we do look at and take into account production um, so that we can get a sense for whether or not that athleticism is translating to the bottom line. I consider it the bottom line, right, because at the end of the day, you can be uber athletic, but you have to be able to produce. And so we do see instances where we have a, a, a player that is highly athletic but perhaps the production is not there that's when you have to peel the onion back that's when you have to understand what scheme is he, especially when you're talking about high school players right what scheme is that player in right um you know this kid could be a 6-4 receiver he could run 21 miles an hour he could create an average yards of separation of three and a half four yards all the things that we typically see in a High-level slash elite college prospect, but the production is not there, right? So if I just start with the numbers, and I see that, and then I turn on the tape and they're run the triple option, I've answered my question. Yeah. And as a as a as an evaluator, I go, okay, I get it, right? Mm-hmm. I get it. He's in a scheme that doesn't lend itself well to. The attributes and the traits that that this this kid has to offer. So that's kind of point one. I think point two is is really boils down to competition and the talent level that that athlete is is, is on. So again, mm-hmm. if you take a, a player that you know has really good scores, he tests well when he's on this on the summer camp circuit right mm-hmm. so he's got a great 40 time he's got a great vertical broad jump and all of that turn on the tape and let's say it's a running back and he can't get out of the backfield because his offensive line is not up to snuff
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay what do you do with that and so you have to take that into account use that for for context and again this is where i talked about earlier you have to marry the data with the film right mm-hmm. Because without one or the other, you're going to you're going to potentially miss on certain things and you're not going to have the proper context to be able to evaluate that player properly. So scheme fit, you know, talent level competition. Those are some of the ancillary things that could impact a player's production. But we believe that you, you do have to account for player production when you're evaluating the player, not just the athleticism. We think about the athleticism as the ceiling and we think about production as the floor. Okay. And so that's how we think about it. And so when we sit down and we do our talent review meetings with some of our clients, you know, we're doing a, we're doing a two by two matrix to understand the relationship between the ceiling and the floor, taking into account athleticism and production to understand, are they, do we project them to be an immediate impact player development player that may take two or three years to develop, um, but can this player go on to be eventually a, a starter for his potentially all conference All-American And in, in order to understand where those prospects fall in those quadrants? You kind of have to understand his upside from an athleticism standpoint and his production in terms of his floor.
0: OK, I like that a lot. I really like thinking about athleticism as eventual upside if everything else comes together. And production, I like that a lot. That's that's really nice way to explain it. I think one guy who could be a, a story about this is Malik Benson headed to Alabama. He's he's the guy uh, went JUCO, tore up JUCO. But we we did a deep dive. Why did this guy go JUCO? He's extremely fast. I mean, I think over twenty one miles an hour, maybe pushing twenty two. Um, <laughs> looks like it on tape. But yeah, we went back and look his high school, and they were running like triple option. I think he had like eighteen. You know, targets or something ridiculous in his senior year. You know, just they never threw the ball. He was playing somewhere in Kansas. They just ran triple option. Went JUCO, tore it up. Now went, you know, got uh, early commit to Alabama after his freshman year in JUCO. So, like, obviously impressed some people. So we'll see what he does on the big stage next year in the SEC. Speaking so nice. of another, yeah. Speaking of another receiver, and you can take this wherever you want, but but Tank Dell, Nathaniel Dell. Um, who I know that real analytics has tweeted a little bit about him. His production scores off the charts, his uh, athleticism is off the charts. His, I think separation uh, in man is kind of really, really good. Um, great feet uh, and everything, but he's five eight one sixty five. 165 So right. can he's also going to be a little bit of an old rookie is a 50 year senior. Um, he's going to be 23. I believe when he's drafted, Um But everyone's talking about him. He tore up the senior bowl. He was really good at the combine. You know, he's a hot name right now, but that size is going to give people pause. And typically, you know, what we do, we have our own set of analytics for fantasy purposes. And a guy that size usually doesn't command the type of targets that a fantasy wide receiver who's going to help your team win, you know, commands. So he's obviously very, very good. He's a good player. So how do you balance this idea of the prototype? He is not a prototype five eight one sixty five. He's not six feet one eighty five or six two two twenty like Julio, whatever. Um, and then the compensatory factors, like the fact that he's just really, really good, and he's great at separation and all these other things. I mean, I think Dell is an interesting one this particular year, where he checks a lot of boxes, but he's right. not the prototype model. So what do you think about Dell? Have you talked to anybody about Dell through the process in the NFL teams or anything like that? Uh, and you can take this wherever you'd like to go.
1: Yeah, no. So I think he's uh, he's going to be an interesting case study for this particular draft cycle. So I think you have to start with prototyping. That's <coughs> That's my personal opinion. You start with prototyping, and then you work from there to understand if a player doesn't fit the prototype, you know, how do you adjust right do you take them off your board do you keep them on your board and then that's where your draft position kind of comes into play if we're talking NFL right mm-hmm. so if i'm drafting in the first round or two then i'm i'm definitely going to weigh prototyping a little bit heavier because i want to mitigate risk at those you know those top top rounds it's all about mitigating risk and then as you get later in the draft then you have opportunity to take more risk right because the internal expectations aren't aren't as high on those later draft picks but you want to do it wisely right you don't want to just throw darts in the dark you want to do it wisely and so that's where understanding the compensatory traits and factors come into play and for us you know we've been able to parse out what those compensatory factors are by studying successful players in the past that did not necessarily have the prototypical size or the prototypical speed. And that's where we kind of built our model to understand what traits are important, how much should we weigh them? So that when we are looking for somebody that is undersized, we understand what we should be looking for. Mm -hmm. And so if we just stick with the wide receiver position, we stick to, to tank Dell, what he does extremely well is create separation. So from our, from our data, he falls Mm -hmm. in the 64th percentile in terms of average yards of separation created, um, Mm -hmm. which is, which is pretty damn good. Right. Mm -hmm. Again, he's not going to have the prototypical size, Um, you know, his change of direction, almost in the 60th percentile, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, and so he's got some, some traits that when you don't have the prototypical size or speed, right? If you think about Cooper cup, you won't, you, he's not classified as a four, three guy, right? Yeah. Good speed. Don't get me wrong. Good speed. But what our research showed was that Cooper, Cooper cup created separation. And that's what made him special. Right. That was his superpower.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: Tank Dell can create separation. Um, he's one of the better ones in this particular draft class to be able to do that. He's highly productive when he was at University of Houston. Now, from a fantasy football standpoint, and I'm not the fantasy guru, but sure, sure. I would I would think that to your point earlier, he target wise, he probably won't get a lot of targets, you know, at the next level. Is he an NFL caliber receiver? Yeah, I think so. I think athletically, I think production-wise, yes. Mm -hmm. I think he'll probably be utilized and he'll need to make the 53-man roster at least on his first contract as a special teams player, right? And then if he flashes, you know, and and, and is productive in the slot, you know what, then he can earn a little bit more targets, things of that nature. But I think – you know, his first few years, he's gonna to have to make his mark on special teams, but I think he's got the traits to absolutely make a 53-man roster and worth taking in the later rounds. So that's kind of my personal take on Take Dale. Um, and then kind of how you balance prototyping versus weighing the comp- compensatory factors and traits to understand, you know, what what risk and mitigate your risk in taking a player. It's all about where you where you take them. Uh, relative to the round you're selecting
0: i think that's yeah that that's really great explanation and and, you know one thing that i look at on this fantasy side so we have the benefit usually when we're drafting when we're drafting our players we know what their nfl draft capital is already Um, but one thing i do look at and you just mentioned this is especially for for receivers who are taken in the day three so you know, not first, not second, not third, but that whole big mismatch, mix and match of the day three, or even undrafted free agents. I'm looking for special teams guys because, just like you said, they are not going to line up in the three deep, or the you know the top three receivers uh, out of camp. That's just not going to happen. But they need to stick around, like you said, they need to stick around and have opportunity to prove themselves even more. So I will look for guys who dominated. Uh, on a special teams and they may be drafted later, but I have done some research into this and, and basically every receiver, I think it's, it's almost every single guy. Maybe there's one that didn't uh, who became a fantasy relevant receiver um, drafted at that late contributed on special teams. It's almost, it's almost like you have to, because right. otherwise you, you're not going to get the opportunity if you're just an alpha X but you draft in the sixth round, like you're just not, I mean, if you can't do it from day one, you're not going to even make the cut. So, um, so yeah, you have to contribute in multiple ways. And I think that's a good compensatory factor for us as fantasy people to look at those things. And obviously you guys are looking at different stuff. Separation makes a lot of sense as well. And that's something that's, you can measure it now. Right. Right. But, um, before that, that's probably, a, there's a lot of nuance baked in there. Maybe you're not even the fastest athletically, but you have a good deception, which is some kinds, sometimes like a pitcher. I always say it's like a pitcher who throws a good sequence of pitches. So maybe his, his pure talent isn't blowing people away with a hundred miles an hour, but the way he pitches, he makes a hundred miles an hour look like or 95 look like 100 because of the way he sequences pitches, similar to maybe how a receiver may sequence moves and, and use deception, even if he doesn't have the pure unbridled athleticism.
1: So it's funny you say that because with, with Dale, he is – so our data on Dale, he's not – he doesn't have elite speed, believe it or mm-hmm. not, right? Looks fast on tape, but what he does have is elite <clears throat> acceleration and he has elite change of direction. And Mm -hmm. so that's a great analogy that you use that I'd never really considered. But with Tank Dell, that's how he's able to create separations. Separations. So he's able to run. He's able to get on defensive backs toes really quick, fast Mm -hmm. and in a hurry. Right. And then he's really good about sticking his foot in the ground and changing direction. And so when you can do those two things, when you can threaten the receiver, the defensive backs cushion, Mm-hmm. And you can run up on his toes quickly. What do you, that defensive back has got to respect the vertical, and so mm-hmm. he's going to open his hips up, right? And that's what's enabling Dale to create this separation is that perception of mm-hmm. holy cow, this kid's about to run past me, <laughs> yeah. right? But then he stops on a dime and he's in and out of his break, and he's got that you know, he's got that separation that that three to five yards on
0: a curl or something. Yeah, exactly.
1: Oh, he's, yeah, he's, he's on it. And so when you think about some of the advanced scouting, just to kind of go back to that, what I mentioned earlier. So if, if, if we were playing university of Houston, when tank Dale was, was, you know, was playing then last fall, Mm -hmm. we would on the scouting report say, look, his top end speed is average.
0: Hmm.
1: have your defensive backs sit on him Hmm. right yeah so these are the these are the nuances right that 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 we have on these players to say okay don't worry about the vertical threat right sit on them you know understand where you're on the field in terms of spatial awareness understand if it's third and eight you want to settle down roughly around the
0: sticks because the likelihood that he's going to run past you it's probably slim to none. Yeah. But then that DB still in the heat of the moment, he's got to remember that, right? He's He's, he's got, got to remember and when Dell gets that. on him, he's going to freak out. He got to, he's
1: got to remember that and then depending on the the defensive back speed, right? So if it's a cornerback that's uber fast, right? I'm telling I'm telling my cornerback, look, he's not going to run past you. Even if you're late opening up, you're faster than them. And here's the data. You're, you're too, I'm mm-hmm. making mm-hmm. it up. You're, you're a mile and a half, two hours faster, miles per mm-hmm. hour faster mm-hmm. than this kid. Be patient in your pedal, right? Stay square as long as you can. <clears throat> right. And make sure you, you keep that separation, um, to a minimum. And so those okay. are the nuances that, that, that player
0: tracking data can help with. Yeah. That's fascinating. That That's excellent stuff. Um, You know, we're kind of getting on time. I had a few other questions. Maybe we'll just have to have you back later in the year or something like that. Um, But one thing I did want to mention, you know, if you're if you're listening to this or watching this and you're not following real analytics or Corey himself, what is your handle, by the way? Just is it at Corey Yates or.
1: Yeah. So my handle is on the screen. So it's Corey R.A. Analytics. So, OK, you can find me there on Twitter.
0: Great. And, uh, and then, um, at real analytics spelled like his shirt, I think R E E L analytics, but one thing I love you guys do, um, hashtag undercruited. Uh, I just wanted to mention that look for that. Um, they, they dig these guys out. I mean, completely unknown, no offer type guys, um, who then become, you know, relevant in this recruiting cycle. One guy you, you mentioned recently, I took a look at his tape was Clayton Deese, a quarterback uh, in Florida who looks very fun Um, and you know, currently not getting any love. So, and they have a lot of they have a nice hit rate on some of these people when you're talking about finding someone with no offers. If you're even probably hitting it 20%, you know, who get a P5 offer or something, or even a G five offer from nothing at this point is a great hit rate. So um, you know, be looking for that. If you're listening to this, follow them on Twitter check that under recruited hashtag. I, I uh, look at it all the time and I'd love to get you back. Maybe another time to talk about some of these uh, really diamonds in the rough type players. Um, that's it. Yeah. I mean, Corey, thanks so much. It's been really great to hear your process and that helps us do our process and, and all of that. So thank you for your Absolutely. time. It's been really great.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having and, me
0: yeah and so definitely check out real analytics the website uh follow them on twitter they're always having it's a great feed they're they're always coming across my timeline as well so thank you everyone for the joining us on the official Corey, have a great night thank you so much
1: awesome take care
0: all right bye